Welcome to The Chapel Online. At The Chapel, we're about helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus on the campus, in the city, and around the world. If, if there was a historical setting for this psalm, it would probably be Genesis 12. And Genesis 12 is this great statement of blessing for Abraham. It says this, God speaking to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to a land I will show you. You go, I'll show you when you get there, which is a great step of faith. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. If there was ever a psalm um, written in relation to this, it would be that. We learn in Galatians chapter 3 that the blessings that are bestowed to Abraham and through Abraham to the world actually come through Jesus Christ. Here's what it says in Galatians 3 verse 7. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who have faith in Christ are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify Gentiles, that's probably most of us in the room, non-Jewish people, by faith. They would be justified by faith in Christ and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed through Abraham, the man of faith. So that's kind of that's where it would start. If there was language that was borrowed somewhere from the Bible for this psalm, it would be Numbers chapter 6. As the people gathered after being brought out of Egypt, Moses said to his, his brother Aaron, hey, when you bless the people, I want you to bless them like this. And when you speak it, you're going to recognize these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Psalm 65, Psalm 66, Psalm 67, they're harvest psalms. They're bringing in the harvest, everybody's having a good old time. And all the bounty is discussed. God, would you bless us with plenty to eat, plenty to drink, plenty to have. Unlike the 65 and 66, the focus of 67 isn't the bounty of the harvest. It's God himself. So in your outline, we have this. This is the prayer of the psalm. May God be known among the, uh, all the peoples of the world. We say peoples here as opposed to nations. We're not talking about geographic boundaries. We're talking about people that don't know him. If you speak another language, have another culture. And so uh, here's where it begins. Verses one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless us, sound familiar, right? And make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Two phrases there, be gracious to us and show us favor. If you're gonna start a relationship with the living God, it's always gonna be based on his grace because we're far from him, we're sinful people and we need his grace. It's absolutely the starting point of any relationship with God. And it comes to us through Jesus Christ, grace upon grace through the Son. 
And if you've believed in him, then you know it's so true. That's why the apostle Paul said, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So we approach God and we need his grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And as it's extended to us, it's a gift that we receive. That's where it starts. How about you? How about you? Where has God shed his grace on thee? As the hymn says on the 4th of July. Where has God given you lots of grace? And does it result in praise? That's what, that's what we're going to ask throughout the whole morning. Does it result in praise to him? Or is it just stop for your enjoyment? It's never designed to just sit with you. We're blessed to be a blessing. Second phrase is uh, favor. That's what it means to have God's face shine upon you. It's favor. Uh, I need your favor, which means that God is opening doors for you that you couldn't open for yourself. And it says, would you do this to us? Not me, us, a community of faith, actually a nation. Would you give favor to us? And we'll get to the reason why in just a minute, right? It's an invitation for God to invest himself into his people. What about you? Where have you experienced God's favor in your life? Where in your family have you experienced God's favor and were blessed with things and, and access that you didn't foresee? And does it result in praise? Does it go back to God or does it just kind of stop with you? The end of verse 1 and verse 4, there's a word in the margin of the Hebrew text, which is what the language the Psalms are written in, and it doesn't always appear in English translations. It's the word selah, and I want to mention it because it's, it's really unknown. People kind of guess, what does it mean? It feels like it's a musical term to scholars that spend a lot of time on this. And so at the end of this verse, it appears, and the end of verse 4, it appears and I think what it means is you just need to stop and pause and consider this. Consider this. Consider this statement just made. Lord, be gracious to us and bless us. Make your face shine upon us. Consider this. I just need you to stop there. It's like an amen. It's like a shalom, the peace of God. And it's addressed not to individuals, but to a community. A community. So here's, a, here's another question for you. With whom do you regularly praise God and give thanks for all of the blessings in your life? Hopefully it's here. It's a little disconnected here. It's a large room, right? We don't all know each other intimately. That's why the elders of our church, the leadership of our church and the staff work so hard to help you find a community group where you can share your burdens and celebrate God's answer to prayer, right? This is, this, is, this is why we say that. It's not just to get you in a small group just to be in a smaller group. It's so that, that we believe life change happens best there because that's where you get to say, hey, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying for this. And, I, and I'm hoping that, you know, that, that everything goes okay with the, uh, the pregnancy. And then, and then when the baby's born, we all celebrate. I'm, I'm, I'm praying about this job opportunity. And you share that. And as people lean in and they pray for it, and as God shows grace and favor, you celebrate together. I'm, I'm praying that I get through this class. It's absolutely necessary that I graduate. <laughs> That's every May I hear that prayer, right? Yeah, but where do you celebrate it? Because if you're not in a community celebrating, then you're missing out 
on one of the great things. And these blessings, it's implied, right? It's there. It's for us. Right? It's not just a person. And what we'll see is it's not just for the community. God's great blessings in our life are for a purpose. Verse 2. Here it is highlighted on the screen. May God be gracious to us, may he bless us, make his face shine on us, 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 so that. Whenever you see so that, that's a purpose statement. You might as well just circle it and go, what's next? That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations, all peoples. It's really strong. It's really clear. Israel was to be blessed so that they could be a blessing so that the world would know the ways of God and the salvation of God, that it may be known among the nations. We talk about this a lot here at the chapel. Because it's not, just, it's not just something that shows up at the end of Matthew's gospel, go and disciple the nations. It's all throughout the Bible. God's heart is for the world. That's why in our 10-year vision, we're praying that God would raise up 300 people into ministry, 100 of those to go to the hardest reach places of the world and give their life so that the world might know that they would, they would come to know him. When we say we want to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus, we mention the campus, we mention the city, but we also say the world. So we have an eye on the world, and it's really important. His ways, which we'll look at in specifically in verse 4, but this is one of the things you need to know about the ways of the Lord. His blessing is by grace because we can't follow his ways perfectly. But we're not going to ever receive blessing if we're walking not in his ways. <laughs> we're walking away from him. And so the ways show up in how we live. You might remember from Psalm 1, which is where we started. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What was true of the nation of Israel and the nations around Israel, if you want, is that if you want blessing in your life, your home, your city, your family from the Lord, it will require us to walk in his ways, even imperfectly. But it'll, I, that's what it will require of us. His salvation to be known among the earth, that there's a God who's slow to anger, compassionate, who wants to be in relationship with humanity. This should bubble over because of our blessing in our life. That's why Jesus would say, hey, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I need you to go and disciple the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. He wants his salvation. He wants his Son known around the world. And it says there, so that the, the, ways, um, the ways of the... May be, oh, well, your ways may be known and your salvation among the earth. Let me get my pages right. I'm a little out of order here. Uh-oh, am I missing a page? That would be awful. No, I'm not. Sorry about that. Yeah. I have to, yeah, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, enough of that. Mm -hmm. So this is, why, this is why we leverage all that we know. And this is why we try to send people. This is why we pray for harvest hands and for people to go. This is why we welcome people, which is what ESL classes are all about. 
It's welcoming the foreigner. It's loving the people, the, the alien, whatever word you want to use there, the international student. It's trying to be proficient enough in English to study at the university, to qualify for a job that was talked about earlier. And so we're blessed to be a blessing. It's to overflow in our life. A few years back, we had the opportunity to take trips to the river villages in the Amazon River system. There's 7,000 river villages along the Amazon River and the waterways of that river that you can only get to by boat or by plane. And so for a few years over Mardi Gras, we took teams, and I'll never forget one day, um, you packed a week's worth of stuff in a backpack. That's all you had. And you checked two bags that were weighed 50 pounds to the, to the pound. And we left all of this stuff. So we brought stuff with us. Every person brought 100 pounds of supplies that we would then leave as we went. And we're checking in at the airport. It's Mardi Gras. It's in Louisiana. A lot of people in Louisiana are trying to get out of here. And there was this exchange between a couple in our group with their family and another couple at the airport. They knew each other. It went something like this. Hey, Bob, where are you going? Bob says, we're going to Snowmass to ski, which is great. I love Snowmass. I've skied it. Not recently, but I have skied it. Right? Great. And then Bob says, where are y'all going? Because it didn't look like we were going to Snowmass. And he said, oh, we're going to the Amazon river systems on a mission trip. And there was this odd exchange where Bob was like, wow, that's so far out of my, you know, categories of what to do over spring break. And there was just this moment and it was really clear. I'm taking all of the blessings God's given me and I'm trying to take them to the nations. Now, you don't have to go to the Amazon to do that. But it was just one of those moments where I went, oh, that's pretty cool. And I'm hoping that they followed up and they were a chance to talk about how awesome Snowmass was for spring skiing and how awesome it was to take uh, the gospel into the Amazon and medical supplies and stuff like that. It was really just neat. So, so why are we blessed? That God may be known among all the nations of the world, all the peoples of the world. Secondly, that God may be enjoyed. What a great word. Among all the peoples of the world. To enjoy God is to live according to his ways. That's how we enjoy him. That's how we enjoy him. Nations like people need examples of faithfulness. If you don't enjoy following Christ, you're probably not a great poster person for that, right? I meet a lot of Christians saved and miserable. They're just like, gripe and bellyache and complain. What about saved and I love the Lord? I can't wait to follow him. I don't ever know where he's going to lead me. He's never abandoned me nor forsaken me. He's blessed me. He's blessed me. It's important. So, and sometimes the Hebrew writers will do this little trick. And it's, and it's they, they'll, they'll write a verse, they'll write a verse, they'll write a verse, they'll write a verse, and then there'll be a verse that's kind of the point of the whole thing. And they'll write a verse, and they'll write a verse, and they'll write a verse. There's seven in this psalm. And they write right to four and they come back. So in your translation, if you see in the Psalms, they're separated sometimes differently. The spacings between the, the lines are trying to figure out what couplets of thought go together. So I've put these next three together bookending because verse three and verse five say the exact same thing because verse four is the heart of the Psalm. And this is what it says. May the peoples praise, praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad 
and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. Of, may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Now, your, your translation may say judge and not rule. Because he judges um, the earth, the, the nations. And um, that can be a word that is scary at times. Here, it doesn't mean that he's holding all the nations accountable. It means that he's ruling, and he rules fairly. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, I recommend it to you, says this. We don't need to be surprised if the Psalms are full of a longing for judgment and regard the announcement of judgment as good news. Hundreds of thousands of people who have been stripped of all they possess and who have the right entirely on their side will at last be heard. Of course, they're not afraid of judgment. They know their case is unanswerable. If only they could be heard when God comes to judge, at last they will. You follow that? I need, I need to get in the court where it's not crooked. I need to take my righteous case before a righteous judge and get a righteous verdict. That's what he's saying. That's what he's asking for. When, when, our, when our blessing overflows and people experience the overflow of that, it splashes up against them, right? And they look at our nation, the, na the nation of Israel here, they go, wow, you're so blessed. How is it? And then they begin to understand our God and that, you know, he's going to rule uh, may the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the people with equity, with equity, with uprightness, with a fairness. We live in a day and age where people long for justice. They long for it, but they're struggling to define it and where to find it. We define it in relationship to God and we find it in Him What's the righteous standard and who is worthy to judge according to that standard? God is. And he treats people graciously with equity. You don't have to be a historian to look over global history to understand that there are people who have kicked God out of their governmental systems and out of their life. And when they do that, then usually what follows is horror. The 20th century was one of the bloodiest because of governments that ruled unjustly. 2018 was the 60th anniversary of the Great Leap Forward, a experiment, if you will, in China by the leader 60 years ago, Mao. Ian Johnson of the New York Times in 2018 did a little research to try to compare the godless government and ruler, Mao, and the destruction that he brought in China with other horrible leaders of the 20th century. 
because the Great Leap Forward created an unnecessary man-made famine that left millions dead. Ian Johnson says this, it's probably fair to say that Mao is responsible, and these numbers are absolutely staggering, for 1.5 million deaths during the Cultural Revolution. Another for other campaigns and between 35 and 45 million because of famine. Taking the middle number for the famine, 40 million, that's about 42.5 million deaths. That doesn't include Hitler, who is responsible, so the research says, for between 11 and 12 million non-combatant deaths, and Stalin, who is responsible for 6 million and as many as 9 million deaths caused by deportation, starvation, incarceration, and concentration camps of his own people. I think sometimes we get lulled asleep in our country, forgetting really how awesome it is. And why so many people want to be here? Because there are places in the world that are brutal and ruthless and fatal because there's no righteous leadership. And what if our blessing spilled over and splashed up against them and in and of itself that was a blessing to them? And then we could say, yes, we, we have a judge who judges justly. You know, on this holiday weekend, considering our country and its, in my opinion, unshakable, uh, undeniable rather, Judeo-Christian foundations, not completely, but plenty, it would be great to just kind of park here and, and go on a, on a, how can we, you know, ask God to bless our country? which is a worthy thing to consider. But rather than do that, I would just like to say, let's just start with us. Let's just start with us. Who rules your life? Who, who rules it? Right? Is the Lord the ruler over your life, over your family, over those things that you have control over? Your, your business? Wow. Because when that happens, then we can pray that larger majorities of gathering Christians will follow him as leader. It has a real impact. One of the greatest things that I get to hear about, we as a staff get to hear about, are when people come through these doors or come to a community group usually, and they stumble into a community of loving Christians who are blessed and that love and that blessing sloshes over onto the guest. And they're like, oh my gosh. I'm... And they're loved and they're cared for. And what they're observing are people that are ruled and led by Christ with joy. You know what happens to those guests? They stick around. Many of them go, you know what? I'd like to know more about the God who runs and rules your life. Because it has been nothing but a blessing to my life. This was 
the prayer of this psalm is that it would happen on a national level and a global level for the nation of Israel, right from the heart of God. But it's nothing new, right? It's happened in Christianity since day one. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves, these new Christians that were just blown away by the grace of God and the favor of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs of the wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions, and they gave to everyone who had a need, and every day they continued to gather in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. You hear all of our words are in there. And you know what the Lord did? He added to their number daily. What if the number one leverage for the evangelism of the next decade would be our hospitality? What if we welcome people into this gathering and into our homes and into our spaces and we let our blessings overflow and splash upon them until they had to ask, Why are you so generous? Why are you so loving? It's really easy, man, because I've been graciously and generously loved. No accord of my own. The Lord Jesus Christ graciously loved me, saved me, welcomed me, forgave me. And so whether I'm at the mailbox or in front of a microphone on ESPN, I want to start by giving glory to God and thank Him. That's why we have a care ministry. So today as you leave, Tori will tell you, any cash or checks designated to care ministry, go because what do we, we, we're a blessed church. And so we have this ministry, which is primarily financial, but it's not exclusively so, to bless those in our church. They overflow. We're blessed to be a blessing, not only to each other, but not, it's not, not insular to our community. It's global. It's global. To guide the nations of the earth. To guide them is to lead them. Right? That's what it says. To guide the nations of the earth, the last phrase of verse 4, is to lead them. It's to lead them. Hmm. If we want our nation to be one nation under God, it will require that a majority of our people turn to God through Jesus Christ and are led by Him. So it again, it begins with us. When we say we want to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus, what we're saying is we want to help people know what it is to be led by God from His Word, from the counsel of wise people, from the Spirit of God leading What guides your life? Let me ask you just to consider your emotional responses through the day. They'll give you an indication of what tries to lead your life. Your emotional responses. When you look at the stock market and it's in red, you go, oh, wow. Wow. The emotional response is, oh, I'm losing my inheritance. I'm losing all my savings. I'm losing all my hard-earned money. Or you can say, you know, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to let him guide me. These are, de- these are things we deal with every day. I'm not trying to put myself above you, right? The difficulties of situations. But what guides you? The blessings of God come upon us 
and overflow from us so that it'll be clear that what's guiding me is the Lord. What's guiding me is the Lord. He's bringing this. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the people with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. Sila. Stop and think about that. Turn the music down and have a moment. I don't know what the uh, Italian for stop singing is. Somebody down here does. You know, just, it's just that moment. There it is. In your outline, may God be known, may he be enjoyed, and may he be worshiped in all the earth, among all the peoples of the earth. One pastor put it famously, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. There are people around this world that don't know Jesus, that cannot worship him because they've never heard his name, and God wants them to know him. And so with our blessings and with our resources, we want to send our best, the missionary effort, so that the, the, the main thing happens, that God is worshiped by all people. Verses 6 and 7. The land yields its harvest, God. Our God blesses us. May God bless us still so that the ends of the earth will fear him. God bless America so that the ends of the earth will fear him. It's different than patting my bank account, making me secure. Bless my family. Bless our church. Would you add to our church so we have the foundation we need to send 100 people? Would you triple, would you triple our budget so that we would have the resources to send? Does it sound audacious? Does it sound selfish? It could, unless we know we're blessed to be a blessing. I've substituted the word worship for fear because the fear of the Lord leads to worship. It leads to authentic worship and that the, all of the earth would worship the Lord that's God's heart and what's behind his abundant blessing in our life in our community in our church is that the world would know and so we leverage it all where does the blessing of God start where does the blessing and favor of God impact your life most directly I'll tell you in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus personally and intimately, if you've not been overcome by his grace, I like to say that I became a Christian at 16 and I've never recovered from his grace. Because it's a true statement. Alone as a young teenager, I was charting a course for self-destruction, darkness, and damage. That was the course I was plotting. I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I had to drive back from Atlanta Friday and helping my daughter move, and I'm just so directionally challenged, it's just not even funny. And I've been in the car for like six hours, and I saw this sign that said I-10 East off of 65. I'm not going east, but I don't know my left and my right a lot of times. Dyslexic, all that. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. And off I went. And there goes the other car, my wife and my daughter. I'm like, I think I went the wrong way. 
I saw parts of Birmingham, I've I mean, Mobile, that I've never seen. I didn't know they existed. Then I got all turned around. And it wasn't until I kind of backed the map up and went, oh, the map I'm following is leading here, and I need to go there. When God saved me, he kind of backed the map up and said, oh, this is where you were going, and this is where you're going now. You see the difference? I didn't know that I was, I was just plotting my little course, following my glandular impulses, my ignorance, my guilt. If you don't know Jesus, that's the place to begin. And how to become a Christian is to believe he is who he said he was and he did what he said he would do. And he came and he claimed to be God and he demonstrated it by rising from the dead and dying on the cross for your sins in between the claim and the resurrection. And when we put our trust in Him, He invades our soul. He forgives our sins. He welcomes us into His family. This is what communion celebrates. This is a, a, a celebrative act of worship. If you're a Christian, you're welcome. If you're not a Christian, trust Christ. And join us as we remember what Christ has done for us. And when you're overcome by his grace and you're overcome by his favor and it spills out of your life onto others and you have opportunity to give reference to his guidance in your life and rule over your heart, take it so that the world may know. Let me pray for us and we will celebrate communion. Father God, thank you so very much that your heart is for the world, which included me, which included us, far, far from Jerusalem, far, far from places around your holy land that you so desperately want people that are still yet far from you to come to you. So we give you thanks that you have a heart for all who would come to you. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for that. And Lord, I pray for those who need to trust you today, never put their trust in you, that they would believe that you're God, that you died for them in their place, that you rose from the dead victoriously and ascended into heaven, commissioning us to go around this world to disciple the nations. We are full of gratitude. If that's you, would you pause now and trust in Christ right where you're seated? Bow the knee of your heart. With a humble heart, cry out to him. Say, Lord Jesus, today I believe. Today I believe that you are God, that you died in my place, that you rose from the dead. I no longer trust in my failures or successes, my history, my family name, or the future. I trust solely in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To find out more about the chapel, visit thechapelbr.com.